This is The Bible in Depth with PJ. Join us as we take a deeper look into scriptures and study the Word of God together. Now here is Pastor Jim. Hello, everybody. Uh, We're back, and uh, we are going to finish uh, this love letter called Ruth in the Old Testament today. I think this is maybe about our ninth week, more or less. We're going to finish it today, and it's going to be a fun one. And we're going to look at the idea that God can. God can what? Well, God can bring things back. God can restore a life. God can take everything that has been lost or thrown away through bad decisions or just onslaught of the enemy. And he can restore things as we put our faith in him and trust him and we die to our old self and and let him take the reins of our life. And I know that's easy to say, but it's much harder to do because by nature we want to control everything. But sometimes God allows us to get to like where uh, Naomi got to where everything's lost. She just made, they made bad decisions. And she's at the place where there's only one way to look and that's up. And, and we see what God can do in a turnaround. So God can. So we're going to pick up at uh, Ruth chapter 4. And verse 13, and we're going to finish this letter today. And I always want to thank you for tuning in. So it says in verse 13, So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. And he went into her, And the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. So now they get married, and uh, they consummate the marriage. And I like the fact that it says, and the Lord enabled her to uh, give birth uh, to a son. Now when it says the Lord enabled her, you almost get the idea, and I, I, I would lean that way, that when she was first married, her first husband died, remember, in chapter 1, that maybe they tried to have kids and they could never have kids. But here it says the Lord enabled her. And all of a sudden now she can have kids. I like that because if you couple that with the previous verse from last week that they gave the blessing of Perez, remember? Perez was a twin. The brother came out first, a part of him, then came back in and then Perez came out, so it was like a last-second reversal. Remember we talked about that, how God can do these last-second reversals? looks one way, but then it goes the other way. Well, here, now we see God does this magnificent reversal in Ruth's life. She's married to Boaz, and there's quite an age gap between the two, um, but God does a reversal right here. Now, the first question I think from this first we need to ask is, when did they marry? Because as you study the book of Ruth, and we could have gone deeper and deeper in this thing, but the time frames are really important as you look at Boaz as a picture of our Redeemer, Jesus Christ, and Ruth as a picture of Gentile people coming to Jesus, which I'm a Gentile, anybody's not a Jew, the church age is born. You look at it that way, but watch the time frames of when they met and when they got married. In Ruth chapter 2, verse uh, 23, it says, So she, who is Ruth, stayed close by the maids of Boaz in order to glean until the end of the barley harvest. Mm, That's where it begins. And the wheat harvest, mm, that's where they get married. And she lived with her mother-in-law. 
So she meets Boaz at the, uh, at the barley harvest. They get married at the wheat harvest. Now that's roughly 50 days. But if you put it all together, what you realize, as we said before, the barley harvest is around Passover time. Mm. Picture the future of Jesus dying on the cross. But then the wheat harvest is at Pentecost. Pentecost is about 50 days later, Pente 50, and that's when the church age is born. And she gets married there because the church age in the future will be born. So there's, there's these fantastic parallels uh, between this love story and the future, Jesus Christ, death, resurrection, and the birth of the church. I really like stuff like that. Isn't that amazing? Now, verse 14. Then the women said to Naomi, this is the mother-in-law. Remember, she came back with her also. They were all widows. Blessed is the Lord who has not left you without a redeemer today. And may his name become famous in Israel. Now, we know the redeemer is Boaz. And we know Jesus Christ is our redeemer. But here's the whole idea of what they're saying. The redeemer. She got a grandson. She got a grandson to carry on the name of her deceased son. That's a huge blessing in this woman's life. Now let me ask you a question. Because if you have followed me in this book so far, you know where she's come from. You know what happened. You know how it started. But here's my question. What if Naomi decided to never come back from Moab? What if while she was in Moab when her husband died and her two sons died, what if she decided that because of shame, I'm not going to go back home. I'm not going to go back and people ask me, well, what happened? Well, you know, we made a mistake. We should have never left Israel, the promised land. We'll go over there and everything goes wrong. I don't want to go back and face that. I, I, I don't want to do that. What if she thought that and what if she lived that way? Can you imagine all that she would have missed? All that wouldn't have happened? Let me tell you something about your life and mine. You're going to make mistakes and so am I. But we cannot let past blunders take away or keep us from future blessings. You can't do it. You can't do it. You see, no matter the mistakes, one of my favorite little verses in the Bible is where it says about Samson who blew his life. But it says, his hair began to grow again. Which means there he is, shamed, pushing the millstone, blind, just like any other man now, same strength, but his hair began to grow again. It means he repented. You cannot let past blunders keep you from future blessing because he went on to do one last great thing. Now, watch this. <clears throat> in, in Ruth 1, verse 20 and 21. Let's go back there and read that. Watch this as we stay on this, kind of, this idea. Let's go back in, Ruth, in Naomi's life. It says, She said to them, Do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara. Remember, she comes back home. They go, It's Naomi. She goes, Don't call me that. Call me Mara. It means bitter. <laughs> um, For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. Wow. I went out full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Wow. She blamed God all over the place. Why do you call me Naomi since the Lord has witnessed against me and the Almighty has afflicted me? She's kind of bitter. <laughs> you think? She, she's, a, she's kind of a lot bitter. Uh -uh. 
in that moment in time, she could not see what God was going to do in the future of her life. She couldn't see past her bitterness and shame to see the blessing that God was going to do in her life. You ever been there? You ever been there? Where you sit there and go, man, I blew this. This will never be turned around. And it just makes you so angry and bitter and you just can't see past your hand to see what God is going to do in the future of your, your life. God can. The message is called God can. And there's just a multiple verses, but I'll give you one that you know in the New Testament, Romans 8, 28, just to go back again over a verse like this to show you. This is a verse you bank on when, you know, I messed up. Verse 28 of Romans 8. And we know, Paul says, we know, you got to know this, genasco, to know intimately. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God. I just can't live the way I want to live and think, oh, God's going to bless me, He's going to bring it all back. No, I can't do that. I got to love God, follow God, serve God. And it says, Love God to those who are called according to His purpose. God can come and take any of my bad situations. And as I say, Lord, forgive me, I blew it, I, I made bad decisions. God can cause like these reversals. God can. God can do a lot of good things in our life if we just allow Him to and not, just, and not live in shame. We've got to come out and say, Lord, I blew it. Okay, God, I'm giving you my life. Let's see what you can do with it now. Now, Back to verse 15. Let's continue the story because the blessings even get better for Naomi. It says, May he also be to you a restorer of life oh, and a sustainer of your old age. Oh, I like that. I like it more now in my life than 30 years ago because I can relate to it. For your daughter-in-law who loves you and is better to you than seven sons. Remember, she lost two boys, but people are saying, that daughter-in-law? is better than seven sons and has given birth to him. So now this, this child, this thing, is bringing a restoration of her life, this, this grandson. Now, this is all talking, let, let's relate it to new birth, because God can. First off, it's going to redeem. This is going to redeem your life. It redeem means to, be, to, to purchase, to buy back from the slave market. Jesus was our deliverer. He delivered us at the moment of new birth. The moment you were born again, there was deliverance there. Then it says, there'll be restoration, a restorer of your life, Naomi. I like that word. You know why? It means to go back to the place of departure. It means go back to where everything went wrong. If you think about it, <clears throat> Naomi has been living in the moment everything went wrong. There's been loss, pain, heartache, loneliness, regret. Can anyone relate? She's been living in all these things. But because she came back, she came back and faced things. She came back to where she's supposed to be. She came back to the place of departure. Now there's restoration. See, sometimes you just got to go back to where you left God at. 
You got to go back to that serving place. You got to get back into fellowship and worship God. You got to come back. You say, well, man, I blow. How can I come back? What do you mean, how can you come back? You can come back the same way you get up and go to the refrigerator. You walk to the refrigerator, reach for stuff. You can come here and walk in here too. It's an act of the will. It's volition. Sure, you can come back. Come on. Now, it's restored. Brought you back. Isn't that Jesus' mission? Isn't Jesus in the, um, in the um, uh, employment of bringing everything back, of restoring our lives? You better believe it. Watch what Jesus says about his own mission statement in Luke chapter 4. In Luke chapter 4, we find Jesus, and this is his mission statement. He's not going to veer from it at all. He says this. It's that day that he takes the scroll and he announces, here I am. Um, Verse 17 of Luke 4 says, And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and he opened the book and found the place where it was written. Now that's huge right there because they didn't have books like ours with markers. They had these huge scrolls. And so he's got to find the spot. You ever think about that? Verse 18. Here's what he's reading. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Everybody sitting there knows this is the messianic wording right here. This is what the Messiah is going to read. They know it. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. They're all going, "Mm, yeah, yeah. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives. Look at the mission. He's preaching the gospel to the poor. It means so poor, you cannot even help yourself. You're, you're, You're in such dire straits. He simply proclaimed release to the captives, people that are bound up, locked up, afflicted with things. I'm releasing them. Recovery of sight to the blind. We were blinded by the God of this world. We were blind to God. He's opening up our eyes. To set free those who are oppressed. That means broken by calamity. Our lives were busted and broken by the calamities of life and decisions we've made. He said, I came for all that to heal you, to fix you, to restore you, to redeem you. This is my mission. And then he says, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Now, we'll stop there, but he goes on to close the book and say, today these these verses basically are fulfilled in your hearing and they just blow up because he's saying, I'm the Messiah. And they want to kill him after that. (laughs) So, but here's the thing. Jesus didn't come because he's angry at you or me. <laughs> he didn't come to say, oh, you blew your life, Jim. Why should I help you? He came to set us free. Came to heal our broken hearts. Came to open our eyes. Came to preach the good news to us. He came for that. So never think he's angry with you. And never think you can't come back to him. Sure you can. He's a loving God. Now, one of the things in chapter 4, verse 15 in Ruth, it says that this kid will be a sustainer of your old age. I Really, that means more to me now than it's ever meant before. And I think you can guess why. Um, 
The word sustain, it means to nourish, to provide. This child, this baby is a, a nourisher of your old age. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm older now and I waited a long time to even see a grandchild. I've got two with a third on the way now. It's great. It's fantastic. I, I look forward to getting off work and visiting them at their home. It, it's just, it just brings nourishment to my life. It's, it's amazing. I mean, when my first one, Willow, was born, I, 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 she could never know that she's a baby. And I said, I waited 63 years for you to show up. And they bring me great joy. They, they just bring an excitement to my life. Let me show you something. Because I like the word sustainer or nourisher of your old age. Turn to Psalm 92. This is a psalm area that I think everyone, as you get a little bit older in life, you need to, you need to remember these verses here. They're very important. Watch this. Um... It says in verse 12 through 14 of chapter 92 of Psalms, The righteous man will flourish like the palm tree. Remember the palm tree. <clears throat> he will grow like a cedar in Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still yield fruit in old age, they shall be full of sap and very green. Okay, what is that even talking about? Why turn there, Jim? Because, <clears throat> think about it. They say that child's going to bring you nourishment in your old age. It's going to bring you vitality. It's going to bring you life. And here we find that the person who follows God will flourish. In their old age, they'll be like the palm tree. Let me, let me, now let me equate the two. Because uh -uh, I like this. <clears throat> um, this, just two days ago, you know, these crazy winds and they caused fires and we pray that these things would stop and people's homes would be okay. But it, it tumbles over uh, big rigs, semis. But here in our parking lot, we had two trees go down, and the third tree snapped. Now, why do they go down? Why does a tree snap? Because most trees are, um, are dead on the inside. They're more alive on the outside, so they don't bend that well. But a palm tree is alive on the inside. You see those real long, thin palm trees that just go way up? They can bend and bend and bend with the wind and come right back up. It says here that those who follow God, those who dwell in the courts in the house of God, they'll be like the palm tree in their own age and still yield fruit because they're sappy on the inside. I like that. Listen to me, somebody. Do we have to grow old and become some old cranky person? No. I refuse to become a cranky person. I'm not going to be cranky. We can grow old and be as goofy and fun as we always were. 
and still yield fruit and still have the nourishment flowing from us, be, be sappy. I, I just want to be able to do these things till, till I can't do it anymore. I want to be able to give out and, and, and bear fruit in my life. Naomi, the child that's been brought through Ruth, is giving her nourishment. It's making her sappy and youthful again in her own old age. Look, there... God, as you follow God and allow God's power and God's love to flow through you, you could stay sappy. You're not going to break with the wind. You're going to bend and pop right back up. You're going to yield fruit as you get older and older. I've seen too many Christians yield fruit for so many years, then stop, quit, that's it, I'm not serving, rarely go to church. What happened? They quit yielding fruit in their own age. Something went wrong in their life. Because you should be yielding fruit in your old age and be sappy and there should be life flowing from you. They say to Naomi, this kid's going to be a sustainer of your old age. Going to bring you life. Going to bring you nourishment. And I like that a lot. You know why I like it for her? Because she was cranky. She was bitter. But not anymore. But not anymore. She is filled with the joy of the Lord in her life, man. The fruit of the Spirit flowing from her. Now, <clears throat> verse 16 of Ruth 4. It says, Then Naomi took the child and laid him in her lap and became his nurse. I think this means that she helped to raise him. I hope that's all this means. Um, verse 17. The neighbor woman gave him a name saying, A son has been born to Naomi. So they named him Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now, the neighbors named the kid? Now, we don't let other people name our kid. I sure don't let the neighbors name my kid. But they named him Obed. What does Obed mean? It means servant. Isn't that fitting? Isn't that fitting that he's a servant? Let me tell you why it's fitting. Turn to Genesis chapter 1. Let me show you a principle that's just true. And then I'll use the principle in this. In Genesis 1, in the creation record, it says, Then God said, Let the earth sprout to vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruit trees on the earth bearing fruit after their kind, with seed in them. And it was so. <clears throat> in other words, if it's a lemon tree, those seeds in the lemon, if you plant them, they produce lemons. It produces after its own kind. It doesn't veer from that. It produces after its own kind. <clears throat> what am I going to say then about that? We produce what we are. Why do they name him Obed, which means servant? What were his mom and dad? What are his mom and dad? Ruth was a servant to Naomi. And then we found out in the story progresses, Boaz, who marries Ruth, becomes a servant, before they get married, a servant to Ruth. Well, well both parents are, are servants. Why not marry the kid servant? Obed. The, you and I, all of us, we take on physical characteristics, the way we look. Uh, we look like, our kids look somewhat like us, one of the two of us. But that's not the only characteristics they take on. They take on our attitudes, our behaviors, because they are watching us. 
They are looking at us. They are learning by observation. And that's an important thing to remember. It's a tremendous responsibility in our lives. They learn by observation. And so that can be a great thing or that can be a bad thing. It's a great thing if they learn and they grow and they become these peaceful, joyful people that love to serve others, worship God, the fruit of the spirits in their life. Or it could be like Jesus told the Pharisees, you travel about on sea and land to make one convert. When it becomes one, you make him twice the son of hell as yourselves. Or if we live a negative life, we can, it kind of doubles up on the kids. We don't want that. We want to live the right life because they're watching us. They name him Obed, servant because the parents are servants. I think that makes perfect sense. Now, let's close the book. Let's finish off here. Here we go. I'm going to read verse 18 to 22, and then we're going to give some final comments. Mm. Now, these are the generations of Perez. To Perez was born Hezron. And to Hezron was born Ram. And to Ram, Aminadab. And to Aminadab was born Nashan. And to Nashan, Salmon. And to Salmon was born Boaz. And to Boaz, Obed. And to Obed was born Jesse. And to Jesse, David. Now, first thing, from Perez to David is a span of 600 years. So it's not the full genealogy, so don't look for that in there. But it's, it's, it's giving you something, it's giving you some things to think about in here. Now, <clears throat> the people named in here, the, this is the messianic line, some of it. These are the physical earth ancestors of Jesus Christ. Some of these people are right here. This is what they are. But here's what I want you to think about. <clears throat> Perez, physical ancestor of Jesus. He's the product of incest between his mother and her father-in-law. Okay. Ruth, she's a Moabite. She's a Gentile. She's not even Jewish. Okay. Salmon, who uh, is Boaz's father. Guess who he married? Guess who his wife was? Rahab, who's a prostitute. Remember her from Joshua? She turns her life around, and she marries this guy, Salmon, who ends up becoming the builder of Bethlehem. Yeah, God can, God can can't he? can turn things around. And then it ends with David, well, it's David. He's a king, but he's also an adulterer and a murderer. <laughs> so, here's the thing. <clears throat> Some observations as we close. If God could use a Gentile in his, in his lineage and a product of incest and a prostitute, ex-prostitute, and a murderer and an adulterer in the lineage, can he use us can't he use any of us? Any of us with all of our questionable yesterdays? Sure he can. Because who else is he going to use? Sure he can use you. 
And here's the thing. You, could, you and I can sit there and go, well, you know, I did this and I did this and I wish I'd never. Yeah, we could do that forever. And everybody can. Or I can wipe myself off, get up, say, Lord, forgive me. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this another big shot here and start doing it. Because God wants to use you. He surely does. Now, here's the last thought, and the book of Ruth will be over. Why will Jesus be born in Bethlehem? Well, the prophecies say, yeah, I, I know the prophecies. I, I get it. But why? I'll tell you why. Because of this love story. The love story between Ruth and Boaz. That's why he'll be born there. This is what ties things together here. Because you see the lineage. David. It ends with David. And that's a very important statement. They're in Bethlehem here in this story. This is where Jesus will be born. But do you know where the descendants of David went to settle at? They settled in Nazareth. Oh, yeah. That's interesting, huh? Because it's in Nazareth where Mary and Joseph are, and they have to travel, and she's already pregnant by the Holy Spirit, and they are called for the census, and they have to go back to the place of their ancestors to register, which is Bethlehem. David, the book ends with David, descendant of Boaz and Ruth, David's ancestors go to Nazareth. Nazareth is Netzer, basically, which means branch town. They called it branch town. Now, that's interesting right there, and here's why. Here's my last little thought for you. Turn to Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 1. And it says this. Then a shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse. Jesse, Jesse's David's father. the grandson of Boaz and Ruth. And a branch from his roots will bear fruit. It's telling you about the Messiah to come. He's the branch. He's this root. And David, he'll come through Jesse, who's David, David's father, the descendants. They'll come from branch town because that's where David's descendants settled and they're going to come all the way back. And this is why Jesus will be born in Bethlehem. They'll leave Branchtown because they're called for the census. And Mary and Joseph will travel back to the place of their ancestors, which is Bethlehem, which is where this story takes place. And that's why, yes, besides the prophecies, but that's why Jesus will be born in Bethlehem. Isn't that something? Isn't that something? And you have to think that Boaz and Ruth probably could not have even comprehended something like that. And yet they're part of the big story. The big story. Never forget that. We may think that our lives are inconsequential, but we're part. As followers of Christ, we're part of the big story. Never forget it. Well, we're going to end right there. It's been a great book. We're going to start something new next week. So God bless you. We'll talk to you later. Thank you for joining us. If you have any questions or need prayer, please send us an email to hello at nbcc.com. 
We'd love it if you would subscribe to this podcast and take a second to rate it. Until then, we'll see you next time.